Hello, once again, and I do hope you are a repeat listener, but if you're not, let me welcome you for the first time, and let's expect to meet together regularly for this podcast. You're listening to Faith to Live By. I'm your host, Pam Christian, and each week I seek to help us discern current events so we can know how God would have us respond and we can experience the victorious life Christ died to give us. As a charismatic apologist, I want all Christians to be able to properly balance rational thought with spiritual reality. And I think you'd agree many non-charismatics emphasize academic knowledge, while many charismatics emphasize spiritual experience. But the Word says we're to worship God in spirit and in truth. And from that, I believe we need to work to attain unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ, which I believe can be attained through a balance of rational thought and spiritual realities. You know, Faith to Live By is more than the title of this podcast and also the same title for my book series. Faith is the very foundation essential for Christians to discover and live in life-giving truth and in a right relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Faith to Live By is to enjoy an unwavering conviction of truth, allowing us to experience the supernatural power and authority to overcome evil. Jesus asked us to occupy until he returns. We read that in Luke 19:13, which is to be the leading influence in the world over evil, keeping it restrained and allowing God's righteous standard of truth to prevail. Jesus explained all authority was given to him, and he gives that authority to us. So we can go through all the nations making disciples, teaching them to observe everything he commanded. The Old Testament clearly states the nations are Christ's inheritance, and the New Testament makes clear that we are to be co-laborers with Christ. We are to co-reign and co-rule, and in that way become joint heirs with Christ. And I would say, looking at the world today, we have failed. Gratefully, Jesus has already overcome the enemy, and we have the promise of Romans 8:28-30 that God will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But here's where I think we've gone wrong in our theology and therefore our influence upon the world. People read Romans 8, 28-30 and conclude that God will work all things out for us. There's a mindset within Christianity that's not only disengaged from our culture and society and government, but disengaged from our place in God's plan. From the beginning, God made clear he had very specific work for us to do on earth, and he wanted mankind to be consistent with his will and for us to enjoy the best life possible in an undefiled relationship with him. As I've often said, while God can zap anything into existence anytime he wants, he most often works through his people. With Christians today, by and large, having a faulty theology about our role in God's plans we have become easy pawns in the scheme of the enemy. Last week, I addressed how ignorance and rebellion result in destruction. And in keeping with that theme, I want us today to examine our faith, our theology, to make certain our faith is based on truth so we can be restored as co-laborers with Christ and see the advances of evil reversed, to see righteousness prevail, to see God glorified, and see God's people rejoice, even dancing in the streets over the victory God is leading us to accomplish in this very hour. Yes, we have failed, but God in his love for us has allowed us to suffer the consequences of our actions so we would realize our need to be restored into right relationship with him. God is not condemning his people. He's correcting us. But woe to those who don't belong to God through faith in Jesus. 
in these days. As I and others have expressed, God has allowed all manner of evil to advance to the point of finally waking us up and causing us to get engaged in the culture. Oh, I know there's been decades of Christianity being relegated with claims we should separate church and state, Christians shouldn't be engaged in politics, and so on. But our public schools no longer have any Christian influence, even to the point of hostility towards Christianity. With our government, social, and cultural leadership utterly devoid of the Christian influence, and with little to no resistance from Christians, the enemy of God has made tremendous advancements that the world is suffering today. We've had an intense time, especially since the election of 2016, where God has permitted us to see what we brought upon ourselves. However, if we are willing to repent and partner with him, God will accelerate our efforts as restored co-laborers with Christ. God is bringing swift judgment on evil to advance the kingdom of God on earth with such glory and supernatural demonstrations the world has never before seen. And I'm not the only one who is espousing this plan of God for great and tremendous demonstrations of his power and authority. And understand, this display will not be apart from us, but in and through us. Just as the Holy Spirit worked powerfully through the early disciples of the Ecclesia, he wants to work through us today an even greater measure. My question for you is, are you in or are you out? It's your choice, and as always, each and every one of us will reap what we sow. We will experience the consequences of our choices. So today, it's time we renew our commission with Christ and intentionally become engaged in God's plan. Not to do so will keep us outside His will, and we will reap accordingly. Here's what I want us to take away from today's podcast. We need, number one, to learn the position of power and influence we are equipped and mandated to wield in Christ. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18-20. Number two, understand how the enemy has prevented us from being all we can be in Christ through lies and deception, creating doubt and confusion about truth and theology. And number three, establish specific action steps we can each one take to return our nation to truth, justice, and the American way in Christ. I'm sure you've heard the first step to correcting a problem is admitting it. Well, then it's essential that we identify the path we took that got us off course. Only then can we go back to the critical point of reference to move forward in the right path. Let me help us here with a story titled One Degree Off Course, published on Uncommon Influence. I will share some of it here, and you can read the rest of it in total. It's a great story. I have a link in my show notes. A friend named Larry, who was a retired Air Force pilot, shared with me, for every single degree you fly off course, you will miss your target landing spot by 92 feet for every mile you fly. That amounts to about one mile off target for every 60 miles flown. If you decide to start at the equator and fly around the Earth, one degree off would land you almost 500 miles off target. So the longer you travel off course, the further you will be away from the intended target. Failures don't come overnight. Cataclysmic failure generally comes from a series of small, correctable failures. I like to call these failures one-degree failures. Just as it is hard to recognize being one degree off while flying at 30,000 feet, it's hard to realize these one-degree failures in our own daily lives. That's why we need a crystal-clear flight plan for our life 
an easy way to measure success or failure, and someone who cares enough about us to hold us accountable. The article ends with a quote from Jim Ron, which states, quote, We don't have to change that much for it to make a great deal of difference. A few simple disciplines can have a major impact on how your life works out in the next 90 days, let alone the next 12 months or next three years, end quote. Little by little through the decades, the enemy of God steadily did what he's known to do, spread lies and deception to cause people to be in confusion and doubt. The very same tactic he used in the Garden of Eden, he has used in the church today. In addition to the increasing evidence of the growth of people openly worshiping Satan, there have been many in the church who have been deceived away from sound theology and truth. As Christians from various denominations, we will have doctrinal differences, but our basic theology and understanding of truth should be the same. If you haven't already downloaded my paper on the five essentials of Christianity, be sure to do that. There will be a link for you in the show notes. But what we should be united on, regardless of our denominations, are the five essentials of the Christian faith, which are, number one, salvation is attained by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Number two, Jesus Christ was God incarnate, making him fully human yet fully God, who died for our sins as the only suitable sacrifice to die in our place because he alone was without sin. Number three, Jesus was raised from the dead, a bodily resurrection, not just a spiritual resurrection, and he now lives to ever intercede for those who believe. Number four, God is a unique deity, triune in nature, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who is the creator of everything, making him supreme over all. And number five, the Bible is the inspired and infallible written word of God. Anyone who believes and has personally received these truths for themselves are transformed from sinner to saint and are Christ followers. These five essentials should be what unites us. Wouldn't you agree today more than ever it's imperative that Christians are united? There's an exponential increase of power with unity. The enemy Satan, who truly has very little power of his own, actually works to gain followers to draw on their power, which is increased with unity. The enemy cannot create. He can only steal and copy. He has no creative power, so he seeks to draw from the creative powers of humans he ensnares to his camp. On the other hand, we as Christians, made in God's image with the authority and power of Jesus given to us, when we unite in God's kingdom plan, there is no greater power and evil can be easily overcome. Through the lies and deception of claims for separation of church and state, relativism, political correctness and tolerance, uh, systemic racism, and the problem with capitalism, oh, and also a republic-style government, and more, the church has been taken way off course. But God has been calling us back to himself and through many brave Christian leaders who are using their voice. And the church, the ecclesia, is being restored. Let me offer some rebuttals to the lies and deceptions that have gained leading influence in the world. But first, let me remind you of the seven mountains of society. They are religion, family, government, business, education, arts slash entertainment, and media. Now, what I offer here are tremendously condensed explanations, but I think it's a really good starting place for us. 
first, separation of church and state. This was a deception of the enemy to remove the Christian influence from government and politics and to actually relegate the church or the Christian faith and confine our influence to the four walls of the church. The interpretation of the term separation of church and state actually came from a wrong interpretation of a letter that was written by Thomas Jefferson in 1802 to the Dansbury Baptist Association of Connecticut. The intent of Jefferson was to emphasize the First Amendment of the Constitution prohibiting the government from any involvement with religion. It had nothing to do with religion's influence upon government. Next, let's look at relativism. Relativistic truth is a concept that started in the 18th century period of Enlightenment. Philosophers and proponents of the day sought to actually promote inclusivism, which is the claim that all religions are equal, and the only way that that claim could be supported is to claim that truth is not absolute. Instead, the truth is whatever the individual determines is true for him or herself. Because such claims put the individual in charge as the supreme authority over truth and religion, it appeals to the carnality of humanity. This deception of the enemy further erodes the potential influence of Christianity in our culture. Next, let's look at political correctness and tolerance. Political correctness, which is hard to say, <laughs> and tolerance threaten free debate, and they try to silence certain points of view. The charge of political correctness is often used by those in positions of privilege to silence debates raised by marginalized people. Political correctness and tolerance have become actually a creed to refuse any merit within anything we disagree or are uncomfortable with. This deception of the enemy further muzzles the church and instigates restrictions for all the other seven mountains of society, but only for those issues that the self-appointed elite disagree with. For example, arts slash entertainment and media who believe they are part of the elite work overtime to promote political correctness and tolerance at the primary expense of the church and family. Ultimately, political correctness and tolerance became forerunners for demanding acceptance of the personal lifestyles or preferences of others. This has led to drag queens reading to preschoolers and the Biden administration promoting all manner of lifestyles, including gender dysphoria, biological males competing in sports against biological females, um, permitting biological males to use restrooms and showers with biological females in public schools, and on and on it goes. Next is the claim about systemic racism. Well, this is a tool of the enemy to cause serious division among humanity, which has worked to prevent even Christians from properly uniting. Racism is real, and it's a sin. But as Jerry Parker expressed, all evidence that is supposedly in support of the existence of systemic racism is nothing less than a gross jumping to conclusions. Harvard professor Ronald G. Fryer, Jr., conducted a study where he expected to find systemic racism among law enforcement. Instead, his research proved just the opposite. In his article, he stated that systemic racism is actually being touted by the media, Black Lives Matter organization, and Antifa. Then also, Dr. Carol Swain, Dr. Ben Carson, Dr. Thomas Sowell, and Dr. Walter Williams all have excellent papers with refuting evidence about the existence of systemic racism. I'll have a link for you in the show notes about that. You know, the enemy has made tremendous inroads with this one, with education systems actually promoting this as a fact, along with critical race theory and defund the police movement and more. 
And last, just for the sake of this podcast, because there are many other truths that have been corrupted, is the problem with capitalism and a republic-style government. According to Lee Edwards, Ph.D., a distinguished fellow in conservative thought, there are three key takeaways. One, capitalism benefits everyone, as seen by the lessening of historical racial and gender disparities. Number two, the United States has continued to be the most prosperous and freest nation in the world atop most economic indexes well into the 21st century. Number three, it is not a myth, but a reality that capitalism has brought greater economic wealth and cultural freedom to more people than any other system in the history of man. You can probably see that all these deceptions that originated in the schemes of the devil have actually made their appeal to men and women who don't believe in God, who want to be the highest authority, who have no problem working to oppress and control the majority of people. Add to the list the unspeakable realities of abortion, human trafficking, and pedophilia, and more, and clearly, as we look at our beloved America, we have been living in an extreme battle, not against Republicans and Democrats, but against good and evil. There are good and evil men in both political parties. So what Christians must do is unite on what is truth and the basics of our Christian belief, and then stand up with God's direction and help to turn our culture and all the seven mountains of society around. We need the fear of God to be evident and cause the enemy of God to scurry into hiding like cockroaches when the lights are turned on. For hundreds of years now, the effort of the self-appointed elite who have amassed wealth, and by a cabal, has been underway, and they have nearly pulled it off. But God. I've intentionally used the term ecclesia again today because we must understand God's original intent for what we call the church today. When Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, as we read it in most of our modern translations, he carefully chose his words. The original Greek word translated as church is actually ecclesia. What we understand as church is far different from the meaning of ecclesia. Some translations use the term assembly instead of church, but again, it seems that the enemy has distorted the truth so that Christians don't even understand our true power and authority. This is really interesting. The word ecclesia was deliberately mistranslated by the authority of King James. Sorry if that ruffles the feathers of you who are KJO, that is King James only. But it would be a bit more accurate to translate ecclesia to an assembly or a congregation, but even that doesn't properly provide understanding of the word that Jesus chose. The word ecclesia is a combination of two root words, ek, meaning out from, and kaleo, which means to call. So ecclesia means to be called out. In Jesus' day, people understood the ecclesia to be an arm of the Roman government. The Romans assimilated this concept to their culture from the Greeks. The Greek ecclesia operated in public affairs long before the Romans decided to use the term. Ecclesia was not a Christian term in those days. Jesus selected this word knowing it had been in practice for hundreds of years and everyone understood its meaning. The ecclesia was a governing council that established policies, legislated, conferred or denied citizenship, and elected officials. Did you catch that? The ecclesia was what Christ declared he was establishing. 
communicating the full extent of the power and the authority of the ecclesia as he intended. Okay, let me repeat it. The ecclesia was a governing council that established policies, legislated, conferred or denied citizenship, and elected officials. Why did King James change the term? Could it be he wanted to relegate the power of the ecclesia as Jesus intended because as supreme governor of his day, he wanted the power and the authority for himself? You can learn more with the link I have in the show notes. I firmly believe God is waking up not the church today, but his people to become the ecclesia and to take back what we have lost. Okay, I've covered the points one and two that I wanted us to understand today. The first one was to learn the position of power and influence we are equipped and mandated to wield in Christ, according to the Great Commission. The second one was to understand how the enemy has prevented us from being all we can be in Christ through his lies and deception, creating doubt and confusion about truth in theology. Now, I want us to consider how we each one can learn God's plan embrace our particular role in God's plan, and identify the specific action steps we need to take to return our nation to truth, justice, and the American way in Christ. But before I do, I want to share something that has troubled my heart. I was forced to realize the extent of evil and hatred people carry because of the enemy's infiltration with all of his lies and deceit and sole intention to destroy. One of my longtime friends and listeners to this podcast heard me encourage us all to make America godly again, and she wrote me saying she'd like to have a bumper sticker to that end. And I thought it was a great idea, so I had some beautiful red, white, and blue bumper stickers made out of a high-grade vinyl. They're perfect for bumpers on cars or car windows, tote bags, or heck, even on our foreheads, right? I love the idea of seeing these stickers all over America, so I created them to make them available as a way to garner financial support for my ministry and for all of us to have a way to express our opinions and desires for our nation. So I ran an ad on Facebook to promote the stickers. From Facebook, I got zero interest or favorable comments. I did, however, receive about 10 nasty and even profane posts on my Facebook in response. One was a photograph with a woman giving a two-hand, single-finger salute. I understand this may only represent one or two people or people groups who troll the internet looking for ways to spew their hatred for America and or no devotion to God, but again, this demonstrates how the enemy of God has infiltrated all the seven mountains of society. Another matter that greatly saddened me was my effort to give one of the stickers to a Christian sister who thanked me but refused offering the statement, I don't think America ever was godly. That's her position, and of course I must respect it, but it broke my heart to know that even she has been deceived about the founding of our nation and the covenant God has with America. I have discussed the tremendous Christian influence in the founding of our nation on previous podcasts, but because modern-day Christians have not occupied until Christ's return, we've lost ground where even Christians are misinformed. My podcast titled Truth Revealed Through Crisis is another one you can listen to to learn more about our Christian heritage. I'll have a link for you in the show notes. Gary Bauer, who is the founder of American Values, posted a response to President Biden's Memorial Day address in which he wrote, Our public schools that ought to be teaching American children to love their country are teaching our sons and daughters anti-American history, 
along with Marxist-based critical race theory certain to increase racial hatred. Our most important intelligence agencies and federal law enforcement, filled with brave men and women whose job it is to protect us, have been compromised by leftist partisans who have weaponized those agencies to spy on American citizens and harassed the Trump-Pence administration for four years. Religious liberty is under relentless attack. Churches were forced to close during the pandemic while rioters gathered by the thousands to loot and burn American cities. The full weight of the Biden-Harris Justice Department is just being brought down on Christian ministries trying to force them to accept the demands of the LGBTQ fascists. Freedom of speech is being attacked daily by a combination of cancel culture warriors, big tech oligarchs who do the bidding of the far left and woke corporate CEOs. The American military is under relentless assault from the progressive left. Men and women who currently serve in the ranks and are conservative, super patriotic, pro-Trump, pro-life, etc., are now facing the prospect of their communications being monitored and their careers ended. The same Marxist critical race theory, poison foisted on our children, is now finding its way into the ranks of our warriors. The degree of Chinese communist influence into key American institutions is impossible to accurately estimate. Politicians have been compromised. U.S. corporations parrot the Chinese line and lobby for more trade deals. University campuses have accepted hundreds of millions of dollars of Chinese communist money. Professors at major universities are being indicted for giving China U.S. technology and research. And the examples go on and on. I'll have a link to Gary Bauer's write-up in the show notes. I hope I'm making the point of how exceedingly important it is for Christian Americans to take their stand and uphold the name of Jesus and the standards for living outlined in the Bible which the Founding Fathers revered. Time after time, we can see the evidence for the reverence of God and the Bible as the basis for the founding of America. The first article I ever got published was titled, Since God Ordained Civil Government, Why Aren't Christians Involved? That was in 2004, when my concern for the disengagement of Christians in the culture was high then. Can you imagine how much my concern is now? So this is why I want to speak to your heart. And I want to ask you, where are your areas of passion? What concerns you about our nation? What saddens you about the realities of our culture the most? By identifying what you are most passionate about, you are tapping into God's call on your life. Each of us has a God-created purpose with our own unique set of talents, spiritual gifts, education, sphere of influence. The world desperately needs the truth, and they are searching for the truth that we Christians uniquely have to offer. So which of the seven mountains of our culture beckon your involvement to help make what is wrong right? Is it religion, the church, and better stated, ecclesia? Is it government, with all of its corruption and deception perpetrated against the American people? Maybe it's business, where marketplace ministry is desperately needed. What about family, which has been under attack with alternative lifestyles and the devastation of divorce, addictions, abortions, and a whole lot more? What about education, where our children have been woefully indoctrinated and used as social experiments? There's also arts and entertainment, where ungodly programming of society and culture are promoted. Perhaps media is your area of interest, where the narrative of what we are to think is being controlled and propagandized. 
Where is God calling you to take your rightful place and serve him? Let me close with a valuable encouragement from Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute, an organization that works to support religious freedom, parental rights, and civil liberties. Recently, he wrote to encourage the church to take our rightful position, and this was his opening question. Are Christians still the majority? Christians are still the largest group of voters in our country, despite the dip in church attendance during the pandemic and lots of posters sounding the alarm. If it were up to the media, they would make everyone believe that the church is all but irrelevant and completely obsolete. The mainstream media as a whole desires to be the exclusive voice to inform Americans on how and what to think. But the church is still the loudest voice in the hearts and lives of American children and adults. The church cannot be duped into believing that its voice is not important or cannot have a massive impact. The majority of people in our country disagrees with the direction of our current leaders, and we must let those around us know there are more that are with us than there are who are with them. Way more. So we must speak up. We must gather together with one voice to show our support for the values that made this country great. End quote. Then Brad offers special steps we can take to engage Christians and bring the Christian influence of righteousness back into our nation. This is his next question. How do we speak the truth and involve the church? Every time a bill is proposed or passed and or a government official says that or does something contrary to the Bible, we must lovingly point it out and share the biblical principle that was violated. Also, we cannot wait for elections to encourage involvement in our local communities. We must elevate the importance of civic involvement and stewardship. Here are some practical ways to involve our church in the civic process. Attend city council meetings and speak up for biblical values, religious liberty, and freedom of speech. Attend school board meetings and research the agenda that is being pushed or taught to the children in our community. Have sign-ups in your local church for those that are willing to run for school board or for any other open positions on an upcoming ballot. Encourage those who are retired or have more flexible schedules to run for a local elected position. Get a list of all the polling places and try to have someone from your church at each location. Keep track of all the decisions being made by the state and federal elected officials and write thank you notes when something good is accomplished. Attend county precinct meetings and be vocal about what is being placed on the platforms. Offer to bring lunch to your mayor and city council members. Get to know state and county officials by asking them for specific prayer requests and what your church can do to help. Have one person in your church who is up to date on all the legislation, state and federal, that is being proposed available to help inform others. Encourage someone who might be interested to become a state delegate. Call and send emails when something is being passed that does not align with biblical or constitutional values. Develop a network of pastors in your area who are willing to stand for important local and national issues. Have a list of verses for each relevant issue that is currently being discussed on local or national news. Emphasize voter registration several times a year. End quote. It's a great article from Brad Dacus, and I do have a link for you in the show notes so that you can read the rest of what he's encouraging us to do as Christians in our own communities. 
Next week, we'll continue to consider current events and explore how we as Christians need to respond. In keeping with the theme of today's podcast, I highly recommend my book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. If you use the promo code TRUTH, all in capital letters at checkout, on my website, you'll receive 20% discount and I'll autograph the book for you if you'd like. If you've liked what you've heard from me today, I ask you to show your support in whatever way you can. It might be to get the bumper stickers, Make America Godly Again. They're available for $5 each, and they're beautiful red, white, and blue vinyl stickers that'll hold up nicely in the weather. Another way you may want to show your support is to take advantage of the wonderful goods and services offered by my partners and sponsors. One of my sponsors is Ed Torres, who can help you with your future goals. Ask Ed, a team member with the Financial Advisory Practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, about the exclusive, confident retirement approach to see if you're prepared for your financial future. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, understands your goals, and they provide personalized advice to help you reach them. Call Edward Torres today at 949-250-3210. Offices are located at 2600 Michelson Drive, Suite 1460, Irvine, California, 92612. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. You don't have to be in California to consider working with Ed. They're licensed in many states, so I'll have a link to his website in the show notes, and I encourage you to contact him for a free consultation. He is my husband and my personal financial advisor and a wonderful Christian man I highly recommend. If you've liked what you've heard today, I sincerely appreciate hearing from you. Sitting in my studio before this microphone feels very much like a one-way conversation. And I really don't want that. So please use my email or social media so we can connect beyond this podcast. Also, consider becoming a subscriber to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter, which will make you a preferred member where you will receive special announcements and offers not available to others. And with so much going on, let's connect on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. And be sure to take advantage of the free resources and bonuses listed on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website, faithtoliveby.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever these features are available. Your review helps reach more people and spread the gospel and helps people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.